Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Cassandra Crawley Mayo, who is an author, speaker, and mentor. Cassandra, how are you doing? I'm doing great this morning. Awesome. I love to hear it. I'm yeah. doing great, too. Let's go ahead and jump in. That's what we like to do on the show. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Okay, perfect. Well, I grew up in a segregated suburban town as grew up as an only child and the sky was not even the limit for me as a child. I was just very ambitious, wanted to do this. I could do anything. You know, I had parents who did the best they could with what they knew. And, um, you know, and I just lived my little life and enjoyed life and was waiting for the big world. And then when I got into the real world, that's when trouble started, so to speak. That's when I would say those self-imposed barriers based by, based on probably the, the lenses that I started wearing based on the experiences that I had when I got out into the real world, I would say. Okay. And let me tell you what I like to do for fun. I love shopping. Just take me somewhere and just let me look and browse around. And I just enjoy that wholeheartedly. And I love learning. And those are the things that I do for fun. Okay. And so do you have a primary form of learning or are you just open to it in all experiences in life? Like, are you a consistent reader or just always looking for stuff to learn? I'm I'm a reader, but I love just just life period. Give me a documentary, um, docu-series, or let me listen to a great sermon or a speech or, you know, just learning from, I always say that if I'm in a crowd or if I'm in a group and I know more than everybody in the group, I need to move forward and get to, to connect with people that know more than I do. So that's why I'm a steady learner. I gotcha. And so tell us a little bit more about what sparked that ambition as a child? Was it just a natural thing for you? Because growing up in a segregated town, only child, that, that's a recipe for stamping out ambition, a lot would assume. So talk to us about that. Well, you know, there's a scripture that says when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I learned as a child. And, and then when I became an adult, I put away childish things. Now, I say that because when I became an adult, there were certain things as a child I wish I didn't put away. I just didn't have fear. You know, I just, I, 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 the sky was just the limit. I thought, and maybe my parents just protected me from really what was really going on in the real world. And so I became very, very ambitious. And then there was a time in my life when the ambition started the fire started going out on the ambition that I had and they started going out based on what was going on around me because I left my parents you know I started being independent living on my own and really getting a dose of how it really was in the real world and that's why you know I wrote this book titled is your way in your way and because I was an individual, I could say I was qualified to write that book because I was an individual that was always in my way. I had all these self, these limiting beliefs. I couldn't do this. I started losing my confidence. Just so many things that were in my way. And I was determined that I was not going to go to the graveyard with my dreams unmet. Mm. And so do you remember some of the things that started hitting you when you first got into the real world that really started knocking down that confidence? And would you be willing to share? Absolutely. Um, once I graduated from college, I was relocated to Birmingham, Alabama. And I, based on what I heard as a child, I was a little skittish about Birmingham, Alabama, but you know, 
me, I'm like, okay, I can do it. I can take take on the world. I got this thing, right? I go to Birmingham and racism really, really lifted its head. And I'll give you an example. When I was looking for a place to live while there, everywhere that I liked that I was felt I would be more comfortable living, I was rejected. People would say, we don't have anything available. And then I would go back to a place where I wouldn't even have my dog live there. And I was like, this is this is going to be a problem. So I went into my uh, to the job, told my boss places that I liked. Um, did he have any thoughts or ideas of what I could do to overcome this problem that I was having, not being able to find a place to live that I was comfortable with? The next day, I received a call from one of the places that had told me that they had no availability. And they told me they just had a place available. I was super excited, right? So I go to the place, get myself together. And I'm like, so excited. I can't wait to see my apartment to find out that the entire back of the community were new apartments. They were all vacant. And that's when the red line lining came in. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, they really did have a place, but they didn't want me to be there because I was an African, I was a black female. And evidently they didn't think that I could afford it or they, and actually, as I think about it, they didn't even have, they had one, one African-American person that lived in that entire development. So that was one of my first introductions to racism. Mm. And so what year was this? Was this the nineties, the eighties? This was the 70, yeah, it was going into the 80s. Absolutely, it was the 80s. It sure was. Yeah. 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 Dang. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that will take your take your confidence for a swing, especially if you have, was there like a, did you feel naive about how racism functioned when you got into the real world or were you expecting it and it just hit you different? than you thought it would? That's a great question. I was naive. And if I were not naive, I don't think that I would have been able to take advantage of the opportunities that I had because that would, I would have been tainted. So of course I was naive and I think that it was for a reason. So I was able to become the first African-American female in every position that I had due to me being naive. Yeah. And that's once I once I got into those positions, that's when I got slapped with the real world. Like this stuff is really real, you know, and over time, that's when those lenses came up. And that's when I started my self-esteem. There were times when my, my self-esteem became low, my confidence level. Um, even back in the day, when I think about it, him, it was like, um, imposter syndrome, like I shouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, I was sabotaging myself. So all of those things happen um, as a result that, wow, I am who I am today because of all of those things. I was able to write down, write in my book because of all of those things. So I learned from them and I realized that there were some problems that I had some solutions for. There we go. Well, talk to us. So you get into the real world, you get smacked a little bit. And then as you um, as you grow in your career, you continue to get smacked. And you're like, oh, wow, this stuff is really real. Yeah. How did you go about rebuilding some of that confidence after it tore you down a little bit? Well, things got to a point where um, what I didn't share when I was growing up is that I was the grandchild of a Baptist minister. So I grew up in the church. And so, you know, I went back to the church. So wherever I would go, these was these were the things that I would do. Wherever I would relocate to, I never knew anyone. Okay. So, and I'm also an introvert. So in order for me to get myself more engaged in a community, I had to be an extrovert at times. For example, I would always find a church, look for different churches, shopping, as I indicated, was fun. Like, where were all the boutiques? Where were the good doctors? Where were the grocery stores? Where were the hospitals? So in order to find that out, I would ask people. I would ask people. And another thing is my hairstylist. If I saw somebody where I liked their hair, 
you know, the, their style, I would say, well, where do you go get your, I'm new in town. Where do you go get your hair done? Yeah. Or yeah, I'm new in town. Could you tell me about any churches? You know, and then it got to a point where I wasn't new anymore, but I would still use that line. And people that I met says, Cassandra, you have been here for two years. You are no longer new in town, but <laughs> that was my line. And that's actually how I met people. And the people that I met were great people. They were good people. Um, and it's kind of like association brings about assimilation. So I was with individuals. I built those relationships that are never underestimate the value of relationships. And I believe that the individuals that I was with lifted me up. You know, they were like me. Um, even me going to church and my faith, I'm a woman of faith. And those are the things that built my confidence. Those two things right there. Mm. So going back to your faith and then being around a community of people that could lift you up. That's right. And okay. not knowing they could lift me up. They just did. Yeah. Because you know, they were like-minded people. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. percent <laughs> Well, yeah. tell us a little bit more about, um, because it looked like you climbed pretty high in your career. Tell us, take us through that process a bit more. Well, you know, I think I, I climbed because, number one, there was um, affirmative action, right? We all know about that, particularly yeah. in these days. And I got a job. Now, this is, this is interesting, I interviewed for a job at a major hotel as a, for, as a general manager. And this guy interviewed me and I just patiently waited to see whether I'd be offered this opportunity. I had no hotel experience, right? But I had management experience. And one night about 10 p.m. at night, I received a phone call from the human resources director offering, offering me this job to be a general manager at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel. Mm. And I was like, wow, yeah, I'll take it right away. Like, sure, I'll take it. And the first thing he said is, thank goodness I've met my quota. Uh, and when he said that, I thought about it, but being naive, I didn't put a lot of thought to it, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So when I finally go in, do my onboarding and everything, I realize that I'm the only Black female general manager at that hotel. So over time, the naiveness that I had, it kind of dissipated because then not only did I get that role, but all of a sudden I have guests that are angry. And when guests are angry, they either wanted to go see Mr. Marriott, which was so funny to me. Like, I'm going to see Mr. Marriott. I'm going to write him a letter or they wanted to see the general manager. And that's when the general manager walks out of her office and people looked at me like deer and I had with headlights on like, oh, and I had one woman said, no wonder the hotel is not managed effectively. And she walked away. And I said to myself, wow, this is some, this is some real, real stuff because of the color of my skin. She made that assumption that the hotel wasn't run effectively because of the color of my skin. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had to just get uh, put on my big girl pants and just say, wow, so this is what it's going to be like. But let me tell you, what I did by the grace of God is I performed very well. And that did it right there. So I was, I was, oh, got awards because I performed well. And more importantly, I paved the way for other people, for other black people. Yeah. Yeah. And so your book is called, is your way in your way? Yes. And is it just going through your life and talking about how you were, um, you know, kind of in your own way with these limiting beliefs or is there more to the book? Well, it's a self-discovery guide for women on how to restore yourself, learn from experience, and be your true self again. So to answer your question, a lot of the book is my story. That's It's my story. However, I kind of talk about the, the, the story that you read about me, it's going to be, you're going to read about yourself. 
There's really a lot of things in that book that you can, even as a man, can identify with. I say that because men have read the book. Men have challenged me, well, why would you write a book for women? I'm like, because I'm a woman. And I'm qualified to write this book because these are the challenges that I had. So I talk their love letters to women. It's like, dear women, um, welcome to the real world. You know, I kind of talk about my story, how I overcame them or dear women with low self-esteem or dear women with um, racism who's dealt with racism and inequality. So all of these things, even health, mental health, physical, all of those things are just things that we as women and even people have experienced and how you can overcome them. It continues to be a work in progress, but yet it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. What was your uh, motivation for writing the book? What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? <laughs> well, I was in my way because I've been wanting to write a book for 15 years. I had this book in my heart and in my head, but I would never, I could never do it because of these limiting beliefs. Like who, who would read my book? And then I didn't want to be exposed, right? I didn't want people yeah. to know my story. You know, um, and then finally, you know, when you have this dream and you have this passion, if it's real, it will not get out of your spirit. It'll stick with you continuously. And you'd be like, wow, okay, I'm going to write this book. Okay, I'm going to write. And then you tell a friend, you know, so mm -hmm. the friend can hold you accountable. I still didn't write the book, right? Then I'm like, okay, well, I told my parents. They're like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, so people somewhat doubt it. And then I'm like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to write this book. And then during COVID, that's when I sat down and finally wrote the book. And I tell you this, Tim, what's interesting is after I wrote the book, I says, I'm done. You know, this is it. You know, I finally <laughs> did it. Yay. You know, and then all of a sudden something said, it's not over yet. You cannot write the book and don't tell about it. You cannot write the book and don't do anything with it. So now I have turned my book into a business. Mm, I like it. So, yeah, that's, that's what amazing. I've and so is the business helping women kind of rediscover themselves like the book does? And it's just a more in-depth side of things. Is it just selling the book and that's the only product? Tell us a little bit more. No. Well, I have a 90 minute workshop on designing your best life to help women design their best life. And then I have a mentoring program, a one on one mentoring program, a journey to living your best life mentoring program to help women to define because this is the deal. You know, we all there's even as a child, people have dreams. You know, you have a dream. It's something you're ambitious. You want to do something, but it's something that you get so stuck with. You know, you're just stuck and you can't move forward. So what I do is empower women to mitigate any of those self-imposed barriers that's preventing them from living their best life. Now, if I ask the question from a scale of one to 10, where are you on a scale of living your best life? People kind of hesitate. People don't tell me the truth. People really think about it. And people, you know, so you want to be, it'd be great if you could, you're not here just to be here. You're here for a reason. Yep. So when you're living your best life, you have more meaning. You're ready to get up in the morning and tackle this thing because you are actually tapping in to what you were ordained to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so the 90 minutes kind of helps them get some clarity and then is the one-on-one -on -one for like the process of it all. Exactly. You're really good. Yeah. The one-on-one the -on -one is to execute it, mm -hmm. you know? So during the design process, we design it, we talk about it, they think about it, we talk about their values. And then once they define, and what I do is they create a vision board. And this is the vision. This is where I want to go. This is what I look like. But then they need help. They need support to help them to carry out that vision. And that's the mentoring program. Yeah. Well, let's jump into your dreams and goals for it. What's your vision for your book and what's your vision for the business and life? Yeah. Well, I have a vision board and my vision is to, to empower a generation of women, you know, to get the exposure, to share with them, because I think what I'm doing is a problem. It's a problem that people aren't living to their full 
true potential. That's a problem for me. So therefore, there, I have the solution. So with that solution, and like I said before, I'm qualified because I was that person. It took me forever to write this book. Yeah. Now, if I didn't write the book, I wouldn't have the workshops. If I didn't have that, then I wouldn't have the mentoring program. So if I can support and empower women to pivot and start living the life they were born to live, mm -hmm. hey, my work is done. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Yeah. There we go. So empower a generation of women to live to their full potential. Is that where we want to keep it? Or are there some other dreams and goals that you want to chat about? Well, I think my next book will be Breaking Barriers to Reach Your True Potential. That'll be my next book. And then I will just see where God leads me next. There we go. And it was Breaking yeah. Barriers to... Can you say the title of it one more time, the next book? Oh, yeah. To uh, to Reach Your True Potential. Yep. Reach your... Nice. Okay. Very nice. Well, what are the top one to two skills that you feel you need to develop right now to make this dream life come true? Mm -hmm. Well, one of them is I need to continue to network. You know, I just need to build relationships. I need to to get that exposure, I would say, um, so that people are aware of what it is that I want to do. The other skill um I would say, and I, I currently have, but I can always enhance it, is to continue to be authentic. You know, that's when the real conversations start, when you are authentic, you know. Um, and then the other one is to make sure that what I do is for the best interest of humanity, mm. of the things that I like to do and continue to do. So talk to us a little bit about networking. What does... uh? What does networking for exposure look like to you? Because for some, it's professional business conferences. For others, it's hosting events. For even more people, it's maybe dinners at their house weekly. Talk to us about what networking is for yeah. you. Networking is, is a combination of all of those things. You know, there are a lot of empowering women um, um, events that happen, and I, I definitely attend those. Uh, I do like to... Um, go places, you know, I like concerts and, you know, I like conferences. Um, I enjoy going to those because that's where I, I meet people as well. And also by the result of the, um, the people and relationships that I've had, I've had the opportunity to be on television twice, you know, on local news, you know, things of that nature. So I would say my big vision, my my dream is to be like on Tamron Hall, you know, talking about talking about this this book and what my goals and dreams and my aspirations are for other women. And um, and I know from there I will continue to have more, but I have to take those little steps at at a time. Okay. I got you. So a little bit of all those things and just taking steps towards that direction of like always getting in front of more eyeballs, whether it be in a one-on-one -on -one fashion or a media fashion. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Or, or, you know, I'm also a speaker, you know, so even speaking at events, you yeah. know, um, church events, conferences, women conferences as well to get that exposure. For sure. And authenticity how do you go about prioritizing that in your life? Are you pretty, does it come automatically to you right now? Or is it something you have to work on consistently? No, it, it does come, you know, I, I can't, it, for me, I, I have what I call a spirit of discernment. You know, I can, I can sometimes tell whether it's time to open up or not, you know, with that individual, because we mirror who we are, you know, and if my, if I'm not feeling comfortable, then it's not that I'm not authentic. I just won't be as authentic, yeah. you know, depending on, you know, it's kind of like you heard people say, well, I got a testimony. Let me tell you what happened. Well, it kind of depends on who it is yeah. and what's going on in the situation, you know, that, that I'm in. And I just, you know, I, I love another thing I love. I love having deep conversations. 
you know, just that. And that's when I say you can't really have them unless you're authentic. That's when the real, real conversations occur. And people today, they want that. They want the realness. They want the real you. They want to see themselves in someone else. Like they're not the only ones that's going through whatever they're going through. We all are. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that you said it's not inauthentic. It's just don't give your pearls to pigs, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly right. So do you have any go-to questions? So when you decide that there's somebody you want to be authentic with, do you have some go-to questions to start to spark that authentic conversation to start to dive a little deeper? Or is it just a natural process where you start asking them about their story and then it unravels? You know, I'm, I one of the things in my corporate job, I travel 90% of the time. And not just driving, I flew. <laughs> I was always on an airplane, right? I used to tell people my office is at the airport. And, you know, it's it's interesting. And I talk about this in my book. There were people that would automatically open up to me. I would hear your life story. I would have cry, people crying, laughing, telling me stuff that I, I'm like, why are they telling me this? And I, I, I said, probably because they think they'll never see me again. You know, yeah. so they just tell me everything. And then I had a woman says, you know what? I have a therapist. And just due to this conversation right here, I'd like to hire you. And I don't even know you. So I just think it it um, it's natural, you yeah. know, um, and you have to be somewhat approachable, you know, and people just feel comfortable just telling you. I have friends that say, why did they tell you that? I'm like, I don't know, you know, but I must have seemed to have a trust factor or something where people just felt comfortable sharing. And then I would just give advice or what my thoughts were about it. Not that I know it all, but this was my opinion. And that's when I realized I've been through a lot of things, not for just myself, but for others as well. Mm. There we go. I think it's that attitude that makes you so approachable. Uh, I've been through this for others. A yeah. willingness to serve, a willingness to love that just kind of comes through and all that. Yes. Yeah. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? The highest impact, highest impact daily action. So if you were going to, if you, if there was only one to two things every day you could do to make sure that you empower a generation of women to live to their full potential, what would those one to two actions every day be? Well, one is to be approachable, to mm -hmm. be authentic, you know? Um, and another thing is just to get out there into the world, you know, don't, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's this thing about people want to work from home. Yep. And I used to work from home because I traveled a lot and that's good. But there's some pros and cons with that. You know, it's just good to get out and be amongst people, you know, um, because you can get so into your head, into yourself when you're by yourself. And we're not created to be alone. You yeah. know, so I just, you know, I, I I believe in just getting out there, getting amongst people. And I think because I I relocated a lot and I went to places that I knew no one, it forced me to be, to talk. You know, my husband used to say, now look, we're going here and I don't want you to say anything. I'm like, well, why not? You know, because I engage people, I ask questions um, and I enjoy doing that. I mean, that's how you kind of get to know people. So those were the, I think the two things, the authenticity and just getting out there and getting from behind my desk and getting out into the world. And, and I, I meet a, a lot of people when I go shopping too, if I'm out and about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Are, do you stop random people in the stores and just strike up conversations still with the I'm new here? <laughs> I don't do the, I don't do the I'm new here, but if someone has something on that I like, mm -hmm. I will compliment them. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's just a natural for me. Like, wow, I like that, you know, and and I've had people where I can tell that they weren't having a good day and I didn't do it because they weren't having a good day. But I changed their their um, aura when I approached him. So you look really nice today. You know, and I, I can really remember this lady that looked like she was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, like she really needed to hear that. And yeah. and I meant it. <laughs> There we go. 
Yeah. Well, cool. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Um, the character trait is to not take on other people's burdens. Mm. You know, um, if people are down, I, I, you know, and and I've been there before. I I can you know be there for them, but I don't want to immerse myself into that because it can bring me down. Yeah, yeah. So I sympathize, I empathize with them, but I, you know, and that's when I said um, at one time I used to want to be an anesthesiologist, right? Mm-hmm. And. Now I know why I wasn't because if something happened or if I were a doctor and I had a patient that wasn't doing well, I would just take it to heart and it would just mess me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would just mess me up. Yeah. I feel like it's a, that's a strength and a weakness, right? Because when you care about taking on other people's burdens, like Bible talks about bearing, bearing one another's burdens, right? Yeah. But it's also like don't don't get to the point where you're bearing one another's burdens alone almost, and you have to be able to like rely on God in the midst of that. And sometimes, if you get too deep into the weeds of suffering, it can divert your focus. And so, if you're getting too intense into mm-hmm. all the burdens of the world or too focused on all the sin of the world, you can start to miss stuff, or you can start to Uh, ruminate on the wrong things you know you're not ruminating on god you're ruminating on some of the misery and the results of sin and um yeah yeah Yeah, that's what he says let the dead bury the dead exactly yeah and so taking on other people's burdens and really immersing yourself and having the skill and the character not to do that i agree that's a that's a solid one if it's something where it's like yeah yeah i'm really empathetic i'm really sympathetic but sometimes i go too far yeah far exactly exactly yeah that makes a lot of sense that's the first time i've ever gotten that one so oh okay <laughs> <laughs> see how you connect with people uh-huh I love <laughs> podcast are great yeah 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 I, it's I a great connection mm-hmm. well if there were one or two people you could meet right now and this could be a specific person or a type of person and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals who would this person be and how would they help you um, there's a person I would love to meet, have met, but they've passed on. But I want to, I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a minister by the name of My- Dr. Miles Monroe, and um, Dr. Monroe played an integral part in me reading the entire Bible. I was so infatuated with his his leadership, his stance, what he stood for, that I was just engulfed in it. I was so engulfed that I'm like, I went to the Bahamas so that I could meet him. I never had the opportunity. I met his sister, but it was just something about him that I could just be in his presence and he could feed me. You know, um, so that's one person that I would have loved. And I I even tried. (laughs) I I even went away to the Bahamas so I could meet him, but I never did meet him. Um, The other person is I'd like to meet. Hmm. I, mm, that's that's a tough one. The, I would I would like to meet um, I would like to meet Tamron Hall, and the reason that I would like to meet her because of what she had gone through when she was on television and how they, you know, they put I can't remember the lady's name they put in her place and then they did a counter offer to Tamron about well why don't you do this show and she refused 
She's like, I'm not, I'm not, no, no. So she stood ground on what she believed in and then look where she is now, just to sit down and have that conversation with her. And that's probably why I'm looking forward to being on her show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. There we go. Hey, you'll get there. You yeah. will get there. I'm putting it out there. Well, cool. So Dr. Miles Monroe, who died so young. He was 60. Yes, he did. Yeah. 60. Yeah. Tamron Hall. Yeah. All right. Now we got our thriving three. So the first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one of the three. <laughs> um, My movie. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> that is a fairly common one. On the, uh... Yeah, I love that movie. That movie, that message was either get busy living or get busy dying. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I really, I, I really like that movie. I still haven't seen it. Oh, you got to see it. <laughs> I know. Every time somebody comes on, they're like, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank Redemption. I'm like, yeah, I really need to go watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just another sign for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to take take a look at it. Then your expectations are way up there, and you may say, oh, "It was all right." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you won't feel the same way we feel because you, your expectations are off the off the roof, up on the roof, and off the roof. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself? Um, I like to get away. I like to get away where. You know, like I just got back not that long ago. I went to Montego Bay just to kind of get away, get by the water, read, meet people. Oh, my gosh. I just love that. That is just so amazing to me. I like to go to the all-inclusive places. And, you know, uh, that's 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 what I love. I love that. There we go. You say you're an introvert, but you really like to meet people. I do, but I'm I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah, no, I, I like to meet people too. Like, yeah. I love having these conversations about <laughs> dreams and goals and, you know, getting into the meat and potatoes with people. But um, right. I'm also very introverted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people are surprised. Like, are you, are you really? I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Once I'm in a crowd and I come home, I have to decompress and like, oh, I'm so glad to be by myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get a book and, and that's you know. the thing. That's the thing. All people need people, but introverts just recharge yeah. alone, and extroverts recharge with people. And exactly. I'm like, I could love being with people, but it's just exhausting to me, and then I need to it go is. somewhere. <laughs> it just it just wears me out. Yeah. You know, like when my girlfriends want to go places, I'm like, well, who's going? So such and such, such and such, such. I'm like, nah, I don't want to go with all those women. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't want to be around all those women. Mm -hmm. And I love them all, but I don't want to be around them. Yep. <laughs> they drain me. Uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. well, what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to get on the Tamron Hall show? What action step An action am I going to take to do that? Yep. That's a work in process. I'm, I'm working on it. I am... Um, there are a couple of um, radio shows I want to be on. Like I listen to, I'm not sure if you're familiar, it's called Urban View. Um, I really like Urban View with, um, um, that if I could get on, I, I want to get on their show because they have like Women Wednesday. And for some reason, it's, their names are, are, which is, I can't believe I can't remember their names. Um, and just let people know like yourself, you know, put it out there. You know, this is what I like also, you know, to connect with the producers, you know, um, and then in order to do that relationships, you know, it's just like the TV shows that I was on. It was somebody that knew me that knew someone that knew producers. Yeah. So I just believe that when, the student's ready when I'm really ready. That's when the teacher's going to appear. Yeah. You know, I got to be ready. So I'm figuring, well, I'm not ready yet, but um, but I am, you know, I'm getting there, you know, um, and, and podcasts are, are very helpful as well. It gets me to 
not get the expo not only the exposure, but it just gives me more visibility, which is exposure. But you know, I learn from each and every one. I learn from you. You know the questions that you ask. You ask great questions, and um, we'll see. And once I do, I'm gonna send you a little note and say, "Hey, guess what? I'm on Tamman Hall on such and such a day." You know, and like yeah. people, are like, why not Sherry Shepherd or? Well, that she's work. She'll work too, but I just have to have a goal uh-huh. you know, to get there. That's all. Yeah, no, I got you. I'll be looking forward to getting that note. Yes. Oh, and this is the person. Karen Hunter is the person that's on Urban View. She's excellent. I would love to get on her show just to kind of talk about my book and what my aspirations are. And Heather B. is the other person. Who's also on Urban View? On Urban View. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. And so we got our final section of the podcast now. It's all about beliefs. The first question is, what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Um, one is, what I say doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's confidence. I have the confidence, but... You know, it's kind of like so when I when I get off the show, I'll say, okay, now I should have said it like this, or you know, even the podcast that I do, I do some solo podcast, and I'm like, that didn't make sense. You know, just questioning my ability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that keeps me humble though. For sure, for sure. Where do you think it comes from? Just growing up, just living life, just um growing up. I think uh, our childhood has a lot to do with our adulthood. I talk about that in my book as well. You know, um, I grew up with a mom who was very critical. She loved me dearly, but she criticized everything I did. You know, so when that happens, then this this perfection thing comes out. And now that I understand where it comes from, I'm okay with it. I feel better about it. I get it, you know. So so it's just, that's a definite limiting belief for me. Do you have any limiting actions or inactions that reinforce that doubt in yourself? That question of what I say doesn't make sense. Yes. Uh, one is self-sabotage. And what I mean by that is I will work on something. I used to teach Sunday school, right? And I would have to study all day long. Like, okay, now I got to do this. Everything has to be just perfect. You know, or or if I if I do my podcast, my solo podcast, I gotta sure you have to prepare, but my goodness, I do I have to prepare eight hours a day? You know, I just you know, I'm just how much more, you know <laughs> I'm trying to remember this and verbatim this and that. And that's the thing, the action that I need to stop it. Trust that I have what I need to move forward and stop studying and studying and studying. You know, it's just like prior to coming on to your podcast, I made sure I read about you, you know, not, okay, now am I going to read about him all night long? You know, Uh, what am I going to do here? So that's the thing that I need to just trust and believe that I got this. Just be myself and just be natural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, I think it was Gary Vee. This is the first time I heard this, but he was talking about how um, all those perfectionists out there, it's really just um, insecurity disguised as perfectionism Mm -hmm. because you would be more okay with failing if you didn't have to be so perfect all the time. And so it's Mm -hmm. really just, yeah, you're telling yourself that you just want it to be great. And there's a part of you that does want it to be great. Yeah. That's like, why do you want it to be great? You can probably track it back to an insecurity. Exactly. Um, that's true. This right. Yeah, no, it's love. Mm-hmm. it's something that I um I noticed like a big part of this podcast. I don't to this day. I mean, this is like episode six hundred, probably eighteen or something like that. Wow. And I I still don't do a ton of editing. Eventually, once it starts producing some revenue, and um, I'll hire some people to do some editing and to kind of up the show production. Yeah. But I was thinking about starting a podcast and the goal of the podcast was for me to be a more consistent person in my own view. Mm. And then to prioritize having conversations. I love talking to people about their dreams and goals. Mm -hmm. 
And the thing stopping me, the one thing stopped me from doing the show was the editing. I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to consistently edit a show. I just won't do it because I hate yeah. editing. Yeah. It's just, it just yeah. bothers me. I'm not going to spend my time doing it. And I was like, okay, just don't edit. Like, right. if the goal is consistency and the goal is to have conversations you love, go have the conversations you love and just post them for people to hear. And if there's a glitch here or a glitch there and there's a two minute pause, yeah, you can clip that out. No problem. But you're not going to be taking out every um, ah, right. extra sigh, <laughs> extra breath. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't edit a ton and I post the podcast right. and it's um, it was getting over that. I want this to be perfect. Yes. I want to take this to the world. And yeah. Um, yeah. Just doing it, doing it for me. So that's right. And just so you'll know, I never would know that you never edited. I, I would think maybe you did because they just flow. Yes, yes, that's the thing. They, they <laughs> do just flow. And just flow. people were always talking about how they spend so many hours editing their weekly podcasts. And I'm like, there's no way I'd be able to push out the content I push out if I'm editing. And yeah. in my mind, they don't sound too different. I think yeah. there are some differences where like, you do hear the ums, the ahs, the filler words. Like some people will clip those out. They'll make the conversation flow smoother. But it's like a 5 to 10% increase, which is a valuable one. Yeah. But just that 5 to 10% isn't valuable enough to cancel out the 90% that right. would from just being consistent. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's just, that was my perspective on it. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. So time consuming. It is, yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -mm. <laughs> well, if you were to change that limiting belief into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart in the way that you needed to hear it, what would that phrase be for you? Um, trust and believe. Trust and believe. Oh. Yeah. And okay. when the limiting belief starts to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control? Um, ask that question. What's that question again now? When the limiting belief starts to take over. So when you start to say what I yeah. say doesn't make sense, you start to doubt yourself. What thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control, refocus on abundance and truth? Well, you know, it's like the mindset. It's like the sky is not even the limit. Yep. You know, it, it it is amazing to me if we didn't have those limiting beliefs. How how would things be? You know, um, you know, it's kind of like I say it like this. Let's say I had a week to live. Then what? Yep. <laughs> so if I can think of it like that, then hey, as long as it's ethical, moral, legal, let's do it. Yeah. I like it because we talk about the limiting beliefs and I think a lot of us don't even realize how, how much they influence us. Like when I asked that question, what actions or inactions reinforce this limiting belief? Mm -hmm. The inactions part is really important because our beliefs are like a filter we have on the world. And there are things that we don't even consider as possible mm -hmm. simply because of the beliefs that we have. And so, so many questions we don't ask people so many rooms we don't try to put ourselves in so many um activities we never give the light of day simply because we have a limiting belief around our life that is like guiding our vision and so we're just blind to it that's true um yeah because it really is like if you went and asked a thousand people to really help you out with your business and you just did that every day you right. did every day for a year right <laughs> and yeah you're gonna probably get 10,000 no's before you get a yes but yes. if you don't have any limiting beliefs those 10,000 no's aren't going to like affect you because you're like well the oh, world right. the world has 8 billion people That's it right. makes sense that 10,000 aren't really interested in helping me let me go exactly. to the next one and um yeah it's something I realized with like cold calling and sales and yeah business and yeah the world is just so 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 big and then you it put is. you take one person's response or five people's responses and you make it everybody's response and then you start projecting beliefs out there that just aren't reality right yeah a big one for me was um 
growing up, it was really hard uh, for my parents to spend money on like candy and stuff at the store. And so yeah. every time I asked for some Reese's or for some Skittles, they'd be like, do you have Skittles money? <laughs> and so then I would be like, okay, so it must be like painful to spend money. Like the goal is, yeah. is not to spend money. Right. Yes. Which yeah. hurt me in sales because I would project that belief on other people. So I would have mm-hmm. to believe that it's painful to spend money. So then I'd be like, if it's painful for me to spend money, it must be painful for that person to spend money. Yeah. And then if it's painful for them to spend money and I'm selling them something that exactly. costs money, I must be causing them pain. And I'm a good person. I don't want to cause people pain. So then I didn't want to sell people things because I was like, yeah. they're not going to enjoy it. It's just going to be painful for them. Right. And something. Yeah. And then I sat there and when I when I looped that whole story in my head, I was like, that just doesn't make much sense because people spend money on things that oh, they want to buy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. It's, not, it's not painful for the majority of people. And, you know, some people, they don't have money and, you know, bills mm-hmm. can be really painful yeah. but for the majority of people. Honestly, even for the people who are living paycheck to paycheck, still spend money on stuff they want to spend money on exactly uh, and know, go in debt right yeah, they'll, they'll get right. some debt to buy a new pair of shoes exactly exactly <laughs> exactly um so yeah i just when i finally realized that belief was there i was like it's just not accurate and i've been projecting that onto right. people for so long so anyway yeah you re- you re- you reframed it and that's why i say it's so important to understand where did where does it come from Mm-hmm. you know then you could it could make sense like oh okay 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 yeah, yeah that's that's critical and that's why they say therapy is good too so they help you not your friends doing the being the therapist but a real professional to yeah. kind of help you get away from that because if not you'll st- that'll stick with you forever absolutely <laughs> and you'll be yeah. right where you are when you started i mean you know so yeah yep. that's that's good that that was good about about the skittles <laughs> and I bet you still maybe buy them today, right? Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime my wife is like, "Hey, should we buy this? Can I buy this?" I'm like, "Yeah, you got it." Like money, money is not a scarce thing. We got this. Like right, go and do exactly, it. exactly. That's great. Yeah, that was a great story. All right, last question for you here. What is your favorite belief about yourself? My favorite belief. Mm-hmm. I have a sense of humor. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, awesome. Cassandra, that is all we got for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? No, just to say I enjoyed this conversation that we had. Yeah. And uh, I admire your consistency. Thank you. Thank you. That says that says a lot, and um, I may send you a box of Skittles. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Well, yeah. if people are wanting to contact you, what's what's the best place? Well, I can be contacted on all Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Cassandra Crawley Mayo, and. Um, my email is mayo at cassandracrawley.com. I encourage my list, your listeners to look at my website. Uh, I have a, what you call a true um, potential quiz where you can define and find out what is your potential. Are you a trailblazer? Are you a seeker? Are you an overcomer? Or are you an intentional liver? Mm-hmm. And it'll actually tell you all about yourself. What are your your strengths and your weaknesses and things that you need to overcome? There we go. Well, yeah. if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Cassandra had to say, you like the idea of that. What was it called again? It's called the True Potential Quiz. If you like the idea of the True Potential Quiz, make sure to check her out. Check the quiz out. All the links to do so will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.